Welcome to DC Kyafa's Better Wherever podcast, where we are better together wherever, whatever the weather, whether we're together or not. I'm Jolene, and I'm here with Alexis today. And Alexis, I have a question for you. Oh, I'm very excited. What is this question? Um, this question is, why don't they let women work at the post office? <laughs> don't know. <laughs> Because of gender inequality. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like oh, they shouldn't because there's federal laws against that. Right. <laughs> um, because only males work there. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. So for today's episode, it is Black History Month, and so Alexis and I are going to be talking about what we call some hidden figures. Um, and, you know, we're not talking about the movie, although those are some great hidden figures. But in lieu of that, we decided to share some of people who we think are our own hidden figures, people from Black history who maybe you don't know about, have never heard about. So basically, we're going to talk with people other than like MLK and Harry Tubman. So if that's all you know, your knowledge will be expanded today. Um, yeah, so we're just going to share with some names, some people that we've known or have learned about. And hopefully you get to learn a little bit more about Black history after this episode. So Stay tuned. All right, so we're talking about hidden figures. Alexis and I both have some people that we want to teach you guys about. And so we're just going to kind of go back and forth and talk about some of these really cool people um, for Black History Month. So Alexis, Mm -hmm. if you want to start with your first hidden figure. Yes. My first hidden figure is actually Alvin Ailey, and I came to know about Alvin Ailey and the Alvin Ailey Dance Company a couple of years ago, Um, and I believe it was when I was visiting um, the Kennedy Center. They have, like, these free side shows on the side, like, their side Mm -hmm. stage, Um, and I don't know. I don't think I went to the show, but I remember in the lineup that Alvin Ailey was going to perform some free shows. And in my all of my ignorance, I was like, oh, I mean, I've never heard of him before. I don't really know. Like, I'm going to go watch another one. To my, of course, surprise, my great humility later on, <laughs> I learned that Alvin Ailey is actually a world-renowned da- dance company started by a man named Alvin Ailey. To give some background on him... He was an acclaimed dancer and choreographer um, who earned global recognition for his impact on modern dance. And he practiced at a dance theater called the Lester Horton Dance Theater and then became its director and then started his own company called the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater in 1958, which was a multi-racial troupe, but it was specifically famous because it included majority black dancers in a career in a um, area of art that was predominantly white at the time. Um, I feel like also a reason that it might be lesser known is that Alvin Ailey is modern dance and it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. ballet. So when we think of classic dance or dance companies, I feel like we often think of American Ballet Theater in New York City even like the Rockettes or something, Mm -hmm. but Alvin Ailey is modern dance, Um, but they're just as well known in the dance arena. 
And their dances are amazing. It's beautiful. And it is based off of the African-American tradition. He spent a lot of time perfecting that. And so, yeah, it's just pretty cool. I've now come to see them in a couple documentaries, like, or mm. hearing about them through, like, reading on Misty Copeland, who is yeah, the first yeah. black um, premier ballerina for the American Ballet Theater. Um, and, yeah, so they're just a really cool company. And yeah. Alvin Ailey was a really great guy. Um, and he passed away, unfortunately, at age 58. But the company is still in New York City. And it is really premier. I mean, they only have 32 dancers and only some oh, wow. of them can I dance at a time. So, yeah, it's really small, yeah. really elite. Um, yeah. yeah, I saw an Avaley show. What was that? Maybe high school? I mean, it was amazing. I mean, it's like, but you're right, though. It is like you watch it and it's not, it's not just like ballet. So it's not the same as watching yeah. like in regular ballet. It's like more of like modern dance. But it's cool because they, I feel like it's just even more unique, just like the interesting way it sounds weird, like I mean the interesting ways that they move their body or like use their body yeah. to dance it's just it was really cool yeah awesome yes Alvin Ailey I feel like also people hear the name even if they know Alvin Ailey don't understand like it's really a person who like started it yes I feel like even as a kid I was like was it like why is it called Alvin Ailey it was like, yeah because the name yeah <laughs> yeah right. yes it was a person named Alvin Ailey who started the dance company yep that's cool it's a good pick um so my first hidden figure was someone who was very literally and purposely hidden (laughs) um (laughs) is a woman named Claudette Colvin and you've probably never heard of Claudette Colvin um you probably instead have heard of Rosa Parks who of course we all know Rosa Parks was famous for saying nah and so (laughs) Um, for you know, refusing to give her a seat in the bus, but actually, yeah. there was a woman before Rosa Parks. Um, she was actually a teenager, she was 15 at the time, named Claudette Colvin. And Claudette was on the bus with some of her friends coming home from school in a similar situation where, of course, like in Alabama, white people sat toward the front, black people had to sit toward the back, and if it was crowded, they had to get up and give their seats mm-hmm. to the white people. And so, she was sitting in the back, and again, once again, similar situation. The bus driver told her she had to get up because there was a, a white lady who was um, standing up and she had to be able to sit. And she, it was interesting too. She talked about it and she was like, it didn't make any sense to me because not only should I not have to give up my seat, but like, it was like a young, like white woman. Like she, she was like, if the woman was an elderly white woman, I probably would have gotten up. But she was like, she was a young white yeah. woman. There's no reason why she could stand on the bus. Right. I was here, you know, she's like a 15 year old kid coming home from school. Um, and so of course, she gets arrested, you know, taken off the bus and everything. And the interesting thing about Claudette Colvin is not only was she, um, did she refuse to give up her seat even before Rosa Parks did, but they very specifically did not use her as the image for the civil rights movement because one, she was too young, they felt. And then mm-hmm. two, she got pregnant shortly after that. And so they did wow. not want a 15-year-old pregnant girl to be the face of the civil rights movement because they were afraid that people would spend more time focusing on the fact that she was a pregnant teenager than the actual movement, which is like an interesting mm-hmm. thing because that's kind of messed up. Yeah. But at the same time, right. they're not totally wrong because like in the 1960s, honestly, both yeah. black and white people would look at a movement. And of course, all they're going to see is an unmarried pregnant teenager. And they probably yeah. would like, you know, not really uh, see the value behind the movement if that's the face of it. Not saying mm-hmm. that's right, but it's kind of like, yeah. I might even think what they did was right. But like, you, it kind of like, they weren't wrong in having that assumption that that's what would happen. Oh, wow. But this way, they basically, yeah, they did not use her as a face. Instead, when Rosa Parks did it, they chose Rosa Parks to kind of be the face of the civil rights movement because she's this nice, you know, older, sweet lady. Um, not that old, mm-hmm. but like older than a teenager. You know, she's real Still, sweet, yeah. you know, like 
very like more quote unquote mild man or whatever. And so they just felt like she was a better face for the civil rights movement. And so they used her instead, even though Claudette was technically the one who did it before her. So, wow. I mean, talk about a hidden figure. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Thank you, Claudette, for your service. Yeah. Yeah. I like, uh, was, came across her name too. I didn't read that as much into it, but I remember her saying too, that she like, she was fully aware of what her decision was in the moment and mm-hmm. being like, I feel like I need to stay here and yeah. I know what the consequences are going to be, but right. like, it's not just a flippant decision that someone could make. It was right. a, con- it, yeah. it was a decision made knowing that you were going to s- face prison. Yeah. Or Especially at 15. Life. Like she was a child. Right. There's right. so many people Kid. like Kid. during the civil rights movement. Like I even, I was watching Judas and the black Messiah and, mm-hmm. like, Fred Hampton was 21 when he was, yeah. like, leading the Black Panthers. And, mm-hmm. like, the FBI were, like, using informants who were, like, 17. Like, they were really, like, mm-hmm. messing with children during yeah. the civil rights movement. I'm like, that's messed up. Yeah. You just said. Yeah. Threat. So, yeah. That's mine. Wow. hidden figure. Thanks for that, Jolene. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, my next figure is kind of tied to Claudette and Rosa. Um, when I was doing some research, I also came across Claudette. But I also came across this lady named Irene Morgan Kirkaldi. Mm. And when, so also if it's helpful for a timeline, um, Claudette was, her saying no on the bus was nine months before Rosa. So it was very like close um, in mm. a time frame. Mm-hmm. But Irene actually did the exact same thing. She was arrested for refusing to give up her bus seat to a white passenger. Um 11 years earlier. So in 1944 wow. in Virginia, she mm-hmm. did that. And the reason it was the somewhat of a big deal was that um, she was convicted by the county, but then appealed to the Virginia Supreme Court. And then it went to the, the federal, the oh, National yeah. Supreme Court. So yeah. with the help from the NAACP and Thurgood Marshall, um, two years later, she actually won, which is really exciting. Um, and later on, apparently in 2001, so a long time after that, geez, that's like what, 60 years later, she got the presidential citizens medal from president Bill Clinton in 2001. So it was cool that eventually she got recognized for it. Right. And it just like really got me thinking like about her story. Um, and like maybe why it didn't get as wide attention. And I think one, it was in Virginia. So while of course, Southern state and important, both Claudette and Rosa, and MLK, like a lot of things mm-hmm. happened in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, Alabama was right. Like that was the place. center, and that was the center. Of, like I think the NAACP too. So, yeah, um, a lot of things came out of there, and I was just like thinking about how obviously important, and I'm glad she got at least some recognition for her individual act. But like the power, not saying it's right or wrong, but just the power behind mm-hmm. organizing is because yeah. the reason why everyone Rosa Parks is now a household name. For right. a reason, you know, right. there's a lot of, a lot of back work and right, planning right. into that. Right. That was also, you know, interwebbed between the entire civil rights movement. So that was, right. they knew, you know, MLK was going to do a speech. They knew there was going to be marches That's when right. yeah. they planned for Rosa to be able yeah. to say no on the bus. And so right. it's just like, so it, to me, it, it speaks powerfully to the importance of like what organizing can do mm-hmm. you know it wasn't just an accident it wasn't just like happenstance right. that rosa did that. it wasn't just someone saying no on the bus it was like the whole yes. thing that 
was around that and that they used that and came behind yeah. that. Yep. Um, but that doesn't go without saying is like, I think the reason me and Julie both wanted to bring up these women's names, Claudette and Irene is because like, it's just a reminder that this is, this is one example, but a lot of times in history, people usually have done it before and not gotten right. recognition or it's been covered up on purpose. Um, right. um, I mean, we could talk about the show friends if you want, but Ooh. it's an example of like, <laughs> you just can buy that. You know, like, I know, sorry, Jolene, I should know that just first thing came to mind. First thing came to mind. Point of mind. I know, fashion, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot of times it has been done before. Things usually are, figures are hidden for a reason. Um, but I think in this case, it's just, an, you know, a broader conversation about how cool organizing can be and how much of a bigger splash it can make. Um, and you have a bunch of people behind it. You know? Yeah. Good thing. Yeah. And just for context, the Friends thing, Friends is basically a ripoff of the same <laughs> show, but with a black cast called Living Single, which is one of the greatest shows of all time. And it's streaming on Hulu if you'd like to discover that for Black History Month. Just throwing that and out. And if there. you're wondering, this isn't like a conspiracy theory. It's literally like- Yeah, like literally the creators like of Friends that. like admitted it. So. Yeah, they did. So it's not like it. <laughs> yeah. You know. Anyways, okay, so side side. Great. There, you know? um, so yeah, my other hidden figure is Queen Latifah, who stars in Living <laughs> Single. <laughs> no. Um, so my other um, hidden figure is actually kind of in the same realm of like organization and mm-hmm. uh, um, honestly, Alabama <laughs> is um, Fannie Lou Hamer, who is a name that I feel like I've heard before, but only in recent years have I really honestly at full context of like who she is. Um, but she's basically, I feel like I actually heard her name a lot because I'm realizing she's like the original Stacey Abrams in a lot of ways. Oh, um, and she was an act, she was a civil rights activist in the sixties, which okay. I feel like a lot of her work was overshadowed because people often look at more of like MLKs and even Malcolm X's stuff right. like all during that time. But she was an activist. And so she um, actually, the what, what propelled her activism, which is pretty horrific, um, but she's a black woman who's in Alabama in the sixties. And so she actually went to the doctor because she had, um, I want to say uterine cancer or, or something on her, her like uterine line that had to be removed. Um, okay. and they illegally without telling her performed a hysterectomy on her, mm. um, which was actually very common practice for that time. Um, there was a lot of still like a lot of like eugenics and stuff during that time where there are so basically like, sterilization yeah forced sterilization basically of black women because they wanted to like control the population right so Mm -hmm. this is and this is in the 60s this is not like 1800s um and so that was actually relatively common practice at that time um that's really what propelled her to get more involved in civil rights and so she did a lot with voting rights in the 1960s and so she worked um a lot with trying to get people registered to vote she's been arrested multiple times for trying to get herself to be registered to vote yeah um she, I mean, yeah, went, I mean, went to jail multiple times. Um, she really was like a more of like a very like political activist during that time. And so yeah. she also founded a political party. A lot of what she did was honestly holding um, actually Democrats accountable because a lot of Democrats were refusing to there allow black people to be part of the party um, yeah. and were not basically supporting black civil rights. So a lot of what she did was putting pressure on Democrats, um, getting black people registered to vote and fighting for basically the, the right to vote. And so mm. she was a very big political um, activist, started a political party, the, I can't remember the exact name of it, like the Democratic Freedom Party, something along those lines. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, she was like, I mean, a lot of the reason why we have, particularly I think black women even have like the political power that we have today is because of Fannie Lou Hamer's work. Yeah. And she's also a Christian. 
a lot of her work was fueled by her faith. Um, A lot of her work was fueled by, you know, what she believed about God and justice and equality for Mm. people. Um, She's famous for her quote, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. That was like her her famous quote um, that people often will um, say and attribute or forget to attribute to her. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, she was really, really like a pivotal person as far as civil rights in the 60s, which I think is so interesting the more I've learned that and realized that we don't usually talk about her when we talk about the period of time of the civil rights movement. We talk a lot about, honestly, we don't talk about many of the women at all except for Rosa Parks um, who did anything during that time. And so I realized like Fannie Lou Hamer, like when we're talking about like political power for black people, like yeah. she really like set that up and like did that. Dang, that is incredible. Yeah. Just as a reminder here, I also like to back that up by reminding everyone that while women were not allowed to vote until 1920 in America, black people, including black women, were not allowed to vote until 1964. So just That's a correct. reminder to everybody yeah. that it was only like <laughs> less than 60 years ago. Correct. So um, just like that shock factor of like, yeah. Like my dad was born in 1970. So like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was not that long ago. Um, right. But just to hear about Fanny and like how, like you said, really like it is horrifying that her career in politics was started off of a literal forced sterilization. Yeah. That was common practice back then. Yeah. And then for her to just be propelled into work on behalf of so many people. And like, yeah, I feel like, we hear about MLK, Malcolm X. Yeah. The list goes a little dry after that, like of right, common right. names. Yeah. Um, and Rosa Parks was known for like one action, which is great. But Fanny, right. man, she was doing all that. Like, mm-hmm. dang, you're, you were right with the OG Stacey Abrams over here. Honestly, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> Incredible. Wow. Yeah. She's really cool. cool. Thank you for bringing her to my attention. Mm-hmm. I've not known about her before this either. Well, I have one more person that I wanted to share about, and you, people might have heard this name before, it might sound familiar, because there was, like, a movie based off of the book on her life, but it is Henrietta Locks, and Henrietta Locks um, was a woman who lived in, I believe, Virginia, because she was, nope, just kidding, Maryland, Johns Hopkins is in Maryland, my bad, Baltimore, (laughs) so she lived in Baltimore, um, and in 1951, she was a young mother, had a lot of kids, but she started having pain in her stomach, so she went to Johns Hopkins and said, I have pain in my stomach, and they found out that she had, well, she was diagnosed at the time with uh, cervical cancer, Um, and then as it was common practice at the time for black patients, especially poor black patients like her, um, they took a sample from her uterus, um, during like testing and during treatment. Um, at the time, unfortunately for poor black folks, the treatment was just harsh radiation. I understand that, um, chemotherapy wasn't advanced by then, but that is eventually what ended up killing her faster within a couple of years. the actual cancer i believe um but anyways the point is for her story is that part of her uterus was taken um for testing it was unauthorized it was not consented to do so but what was so significant is that henrietta locks's cancer cells are the source of the gila cell line and the gila cell line is the first immortalized human cell line 
um, known to man and is one of the most important cell lines in medical research. If you're wondering, hey, does that sound like what I think it is? The answer is yes. Immortalized as in literally immortalized. Mm-hmm. Um, an immortalized cell line reproduces indefinitely under specific conditions, but that means that her cells are still alive today, even though she passed away, I believe in 1955 or maybe. Um, and so her cells were taken by a doctor who reprodu- who found out that they were immortalized reduced them in his garage basically and started shipping them out all over the world, not only for testing, but they realized that it could be used as a very good base to test all kinds of medicines and research um, because it could, it was constantly reproducing. I'm trying to break this down for people like me who also aren't in the hard sciences. Right. Yeah. I learned what (laughs) it's like trying to figure out what it is, but it's basically literally cells that reproduce themselves over and over and over again. So it's basically like, you don't have to take, cancer cells from a thousand patients, you can just take the HeLa cell and just get, yeah. And because it is immortal, that means it was super cheap, if that makes sense to reproduce because there was so much of it. Right. Um, But because of that, all in intense amount of medical miracles, like uh, medicines, all that came from this, AKA Mm. billions and billions of dollars of profit came off of the HeLa cell line. And what is so tragic about it is not only Henrietta died shortly after she got cancer, right? Um, but it was discovered publicly. Um, so she passed away in, um, 19, oh, she did pass away in 1951. Oh, that's that. She passed away within a year. My, my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, her immortalized cells were known to researchers publicly by 1970. So that's right. Like 20 years later, it became publicly known. Her own immediate family was not aware of the HeLa cell line that they had even named it after her, like Henry Locke's HeLa, right, yeah. till 1975. And since then, neither mm. her nor any of her family members have ever received any kind of financial compensation for the wow. HeLa cell line, even though it still exists today. It still is existing to advance medical research all over the world. So wow. it's just a really tragic thing. And coming from a woman who was um yeah not treated very well um not to like completely shout down john hopkins but john hopkins does not have a very good rap either with how they treated poor black patients um and so yes henrietta locks was an amazing woman who to this day i think we she deserves the recognition for giving her body to this world um for research she has helped millions of people's lives and didn't even know it because she was never asked. Right. Um, it was yeah. just taken. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I highly recommend, like I said, side note, I read all of this in her the book called Henrietta Locks. It was a woman who tracked down the family and did research for years mm. to get the full story. I think it is a great description of what happened. And to this day, I mean, I'm hoping, and I know there's a lot of people hoping that the family would still receive some kind of compensation because the fact is, is that her family just generationally still is very poor, still lives a lot of them in Baltimore, but they don't live in great circumstances. And so a lot of them are like, we just need help in general. And if we had any kind of compensation that could really help our quality of life. So that's kind of the tragic, but important story of a hidden figure name. Yes. Very hidden. I feel like, yeah, most people really don't know about that, especially considering how much, she's contributed to science and like not even like yeah in a niche way like I feel like a lot of things I feel like a lot of research has come from her cells I'm sure 
So you think even like in the like science world, people would at least acknowledge her existence, but I feel like we still don't. Yeah. Yep. I was reading a little bit of that and they mentioned that in the book too, is like they'll mention Tila, but no one ever stops or knows to stop and be like, why is it even called Hila? Right. And realize, oh my gosh, Hila is named after a person. Who is this right. person? And then like getting into it. Which also makes me feel like they probably named it Hila so that you wouldn't guess it's named after a person. Yeah. Because we have whole diseases named after people. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> they want you to know, you know. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's true. Hmm. Wow. I love Henrietta. Yeah. And there's a movie on that, right? Yeah. Oprah actually stars in it. So, <laughs> yeah. So, if you ever want to watch that, I haven't watched the movie yet, but hopefully one day I'll get to see it. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Cool. So, my, yeah, my last hidden figure is a woman who I very recently learned about, like in the past, like, this Black History Month. <laughs> so uh, when I was this month years old. You said this month? Is- <laughs> oh my gosh. Incredible. Um, really incredible. But I actually learned a shout out to, I don't know if you follow Coco Gospels on Instagram, but she's really cool. She just shares like really cool, interesting Black History Month facts this month. Yeah. Um, she's a Christian and she just like talked about honestly lots of different things. Great content. Um, but she's been highlighting a lot of different like people, lesser known people during Black History Month. And so I feel like I've been learning a lot from her. Mm-hmm. But there's this one woman that she pointed out named Jarena Lee. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Okay. J-A-R-E-N-A Lee. And she was a Black woman who was born in the seven, late 1700s, but she was born to a free Black family. And okay. she is credited, I'm not sure, totally sure how you define this, but she's credited as the first Black woman to publicly preach the gospel in the U.S., Oh, wow. Yeah. And so um, basically what happened was that she um, she was born free and she, apparently the way her ministry started, like she felt a call from God to be like, you know, I don't care that you're a woman. I don't care you're black. Like I need you to preach my gospel. Yeah. Um, but actually th- there's a story because she also was the f- one of the, I think the first woman also a black woman to have an auto- autobiography published in the U.S. Which wow. Is really cool. Yeah. yeah she cool. talks about how apparently she was like at this, church service or revival service or something like that um and the pastor was preaching and for some reason he just like stopped and just like i don't know couldn't think of what to say next i guess and homegirl just stood up and finished for him (gasps) oh my god she just like she just stood up and just finished his sermon for him (gasps) um yeah and so she uh it's kind of i think how like basically her ministry got started and so she was connected with Richard Allen, which if you don't know who Richard Allen is, he's the founder of a me denomination, African Methodist Episcopal. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so he basically, he was basically the one who founded, basically it was, you know, during segregation, black churches and white churches did not mix. Yeah. And so he basically was like, let's start our own black denomination. And that's how the AME churches got started. And so Richard Allen started that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he kind of like took her under his wing and like, you know, traveled with her and she would preach different places. Wow. And so like, she was, the first black woman and not like one of the first cool. women in general i would yeah. say because this is yeah. like on like this is like 18 like early 1800s so she's probably wow. one of the first women in general to like be a preacher and like go and around circuit, and just like yeah. Yeah, preach within this denomination um so she's like pretty cool like has her own autobiography um what's her name again jorana lee jorana lee I just I just learned about her when I was this month years old yeah <laughs> yeah but it's been really cool I think also for me like it was helpful like just learning even about like who are the um 
women and particularly black women who are like the founders of the faith in some way and I feel like they are especially like it's like hard to hear about any of them before like honestly the 20th century so um I feel like to hear her name I was like oh that's really cool yeah Um, because like you know she I mean she was like active during the second great awakening like she was like part of that Mm. um and so I thought that that was really cool the way that she did that and the fact that you know in her ministry she had to I mean, obviously, like push past a lot of boundaries of people who are like, yeah. you can't preach, you're a black woman, like you, like you can't do it, you should be doing this. And so she had to like really push back that, uh, push back on that. And like she talks a lot about how she just like fully just like be confident in her calling and the fact that like God mm-hmm. still asked her to do this and to be like, wow. well, he told me I could preach, so I'm probably not gonna listen to you. Yeah, <laughs> oh uh, I probably doesn't care what you think because mm-hmm. the Lord said this is my moment. Yep. <laughs> so let's <laughs> say of the lord so what are you really gonna say so yeah i mean i feel like she's really really cool i'm very interested to read her autobiography now because i would love to hear what she has to say is like one yeah. of the like first woman ministers in this country like in like the first black one so um yeah i recommend yeah. checking her out and like also honestly like learning more That's about awesome. like who were the other women and like especially black women like who were doing yeah. ministry way earlier than I think we would assume they were you know yeah yeah like way earlier in that's time. what I think is so way cool more. yeah literally like like you said I feel like the most of the names that we will he- hear of is from the 1900s but to hear somebody that was born in the 1700s and right. preached in the early 1800s like right. that's wild and like I understand that she was mostly in a denomination like the AME but mm-hmm. like it's hard when we hear names like, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know. But when you hear people like Oswald Chambers or like mm. those people in, I don't know, like, I wish I could name off more people, but like ran, I'm going to be honest with you, random white men in American history that I'm like, mm-hmm. that preach and is important. But I'm like, besides Billy Graham, I'm like, I don't really remember y'all. I mean, like, I know y'all are important, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, there's like 50,000 of y'all. Like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I can't really... I mean, it's great, but to hear, like, you never hear hardly of women, but then to hear of a black woman that was doing it probably for the majority of those men. Right. Like, that's, yeah, that's true, too. That's pretty cool. So not even just before women, but a lot of those men that we know, you know? Yeah, like, that's true. Yeah. If we're talking about circuit preaching, then I feel like she should be recognized for that along with the other people who did that. Anyways, so I wish I could right. quote more yeah. people, but it's just, yeah, yeah it's really yeah. cool to know that, like, she's she's up there not only for women, but for men as well. Like right yeah and also just for christianity in this country because like you know this country isn't really that old (laughs) and so Mm -hmm. she's like i mean just like during the great awakening and so like she's doing like she was part of the faith movement in general in the u.s yeah it was just so early you know yeah that's really really cool yeah well that is good to know i feel like i really want to also read her autobiography now right so interesting yeah so many names that i just like think I know yeah. and I feel like I know a lot of names but yeah. I and then there's always people where I'm like oh I had no idea I didn't know you existed but it's so cool yeah I feel like I remember I I was this just speaks to largely about hidden figures mm. but I really enjoyed in college taking classes on uh culture and power and different things like that and international states and this may sound like, I don't know if it sounds obvious to you, but I just realized how much of that you have to like almost become, become a historian, like right. to understand history and to understand where people are coming from. It makes a lot of things happening right now. make sense. Right. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that studying 
these people, these women, these men that have come before us make, make a lot of sense for things that, um, like, I mean, again, I'm not in the hard sciences, but you ever stop to think like, how did we make so many medical advances in the past 50 years? Oh, yeah. Hila definitely, right. definitely like made right. that happen, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like it's just nice to kind of dive down um, history and to learn about like, oh yeah. I don't know. I also think it's cool because it gives us, oh, this sounds so general. I don't know, but like it does provide a connectedness. Like I feel like I can relate to can you remind me of her name one more time to preach Jana Lee Jana Lee yes I feel like I read Jana Lee as a woman who's mm-hmm. desiring to be in ministry but yeah. yet two over 200 years ago she was doing it before me like that's pretty cool you know right yeah so, exactly like, I don't know it's just like a cool thing to be able to dig more into these mm-hmm. people who we may not have heard of otherwise right exactly yeah it's funny like even like as a woman minister it's like you feel like this is a relatively new phenomenon, but you're like, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> like it's might have gotten yep. marginally easier, but it's yep. not, it's not new. Marginally, yes. Which is also a whole other conversation on itself is like, mm. it's not new. So why is it still this hard? Right. I don't know. Yeah, that's but. true too. It's like, <laughs> y'all are mad in like 18 something and y'all still mad. Still <laughs> mad now. of our Lord 2021. <laughs> yep. 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 Wow. But I feel like this was very informative. Absolutely. We got a good variety of people and mm-hmm. um, people that I think, most people listening to probably didn't know all of them. So I hope that at least one or yeah. two is someone that you did not know about before. And Definitely. Um, I encourage you, I feel like we give a brief synopsis of these people, but I feel like all of them have like even more to their lives and like yeah. even more to learn about them. Absolutely. So I encourage you to like do a simple Google search. There's lots of information on the internet um, yeah. and just like learn more about these people or maybe make it an effort to say, hey, during Black History Month, I'm going to learn about one or two other people. You know, I'm going to do some research about like other Black History figures who maybe I didn't know about. Right. And I also recommend, um, like, I learned about a lot about Henry Locks from reading the book, but I also like re- watching documentaries, mm-hmm. watching YouTube, like documentaries or clips, like, it doesn't always have to be reading a whole book to read about, That's right. like, learn yeah. about them. And I learned very well from watching visual things. Like, there's yeah, so many yeah. ways to learn, like, highly recommend just reaching out, doing what fits best. If it's a podcast, make it a podcast. Listen to this one. Here you go. But right. there you, go. you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of ways to take in information, even if you're like someone who doesn't have time or doesn't like to sit down and have to read yeah. a whole book to learn by every single person. You know, there's lots yeah. of visual, auditory Absolutely. ways as well. Absolutely. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining in for us during this Black History Month. Um, let us know what you thought about these people. Feel free to um, comment or DM us on Instagram. Um, let us know if there's someone that you would have highlighted if you were on here as you, that you think is like yeah. a hidden figure. I would love to hear about them, especially if it's someone that I've never heard of before. So mm-hmm. feel free to connect with us. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you again next week on the Better Wherever podcast.